Hey, it's time for another episode of the Welcome Back Austin podcast, where we talk with people in the community about how they're disrupting and making life better and more magical. I'm your host, Dr. Sweeney, and today we're fortunate to be joined with Greg Catawar. Now, he's a legend in the IT space, especially in Austin. He's having over 40 years in technology as an engineer, developer, and co-founder of several companies that he's taken public. One, he was a co-founder and VP of Spiceworks, uh, co-founder and VP of Swivel, and is currently uh, a vice president of engineering with Affinipad. Um, the cool thing about Greg is not only does he work really hard, he plays even harder. So he brings his competitive na nature to all that he does. He's an avid CrossFitter, and it's not uncommon for him to school many athletes 20 years his age. And he's also working on becoming a scratch golfer. So pleased to have you here, Greg. Welcome. Good afternoon. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, what a ride you've been on here. And, you know, it sounds like you've had a great journey. And I mean, you're still just you're at it every day, hustling and grinding. So, you know, can you share a little bit about, you know, where you what, how you've come into some of these opportunities, how you got started, where you're at now or, you know, where you've been and all that stuff? I know I kind of gave a quick overview. Sure, sure. So, um, you know, out of uh, I, I got I went to Texas A&M and got a, a bachelor's and master's degree in computer science with a minor in math. Okay. And I, I'd say at a, in, in, in high school, I'd kind of decided um, that was back when computers were just starting to take. That was when the Apple II just started coming out, um, which dates me back into the 80s. Um, but that's when I got interested in computers. And uh, I was at a um, at a meeting at high school in a library where the director of the Woodlands was given a talk. And I was a senior in high school. And he said, um, computer software is going to become a big thing. And this was in 1983. And I kind of took his advice and I kind of said, well, I'm going to get into this software gig. So that's what I majored in in college in graduate school and got my master's in that. And then um, when I got out of school, um, kind of the cool thing to do back then, this was around 89 and 90, was to work in the Unix kernel. Uh, that's what all the computer science folks wanted to do was kind of work in the lowest level you could get. Uh, so I took a job at um, IBM working on the uh, uh, distributed file system group. So I worked on NFS, DFS, EFS, a little in JFS, which is all the different file systems. And I did that for a couple of years and, just, and then found out that working in a large company wasn't my cup of tea. I wanted to work in a smaller company. And back then, startups weren't really a big thing yet. And um, and the founder of Tivoli, I, I met when I was at IBM. And so he asked me to come join Tivoli um, as a developer. And so I went and did that. And that's when I really, uh, I found my niche in life. And, and um, I really enjoyed it. I, I got into it full tilt. I'd work 80 to 100 hours a week, literally for like a couple of years. Um, you wouldn't even see the sun come up. It would always be dark. I'd go in in the dark and leave in the dark. Um, but it's, it didn't feel like work. It was just fun because uh, I really enjoyed what I was doing and I could tell I was making a difference. Um, you know, you get a lot of ownership, a lot of responsibility, uh, and those things generally cause people to excel. Uh, it Probably everything in life is like that, uh, especially work. Uh, I did that for a while. Then I went on to uh, join a company. I was employee zero at um, Motive Communications. And that was another company that went from zero to four or 500 people. And that company went public as well. And then it got bought by Alcatel, I think, later on. Uh, 
Then I went on to be a founder, a co-founder at Spiceworks. Um, that company, I was there for 10, probably 10 years or so, and ended up getting bought by uh, Ziff Davis, um, which is another local uh, company that has a local presence in Austin. And um, we got to, I guess, about four or 500 people there too. And then it, it went down a little bit, but it was it was a good sized company for sure. Um, when did Swivel, uh, another startup, was a co-founder there, uh, did that for a couple of years and then got talked into joining Affinipay, which is another local uh, company that's growing really fast. So that's where I'm at now. Yeah. Um, I love love what I do. Um, I'm, a, I'm a computer jockey, but also enjoy doing other things as well. That's cool. So as you went through these journeys and, you know, you know, obviously it sounds like, you know, you had lots of opportunities that were probably thrown at you and especially getting it into what we'll call the early stages of technology world of, you know, really kind of seeing it, it's, you know, spawn from the early 80s to, you know, obviously where we are now is, you know, there's probably a lot of opportunities that were thrown your way and a lot that you were, you know, you either had to discern, hey, is this right? Or, you know, how did you choose, you know, what you were going to stick with and what you were going to walk away from? Yeah, that, it, it was. I don't want to say it's ever easy because there's always things you you, you have to decide to say yes or no to. Um, yeah. I generally try to to say yes to things that I enjoy doing. So if it's something I care about a lot and I enjoy it, I'm usually a, a firm yes um, all the time. Um, when there's things I don't enjoy or don't really uh, get a lot of, um, there's not a lot of interest in it. I just try to avoid those things. <laughs> and it's not about good or bad. It's just everyone has their own preferences. And I try to stick to things that I really enjoy doing. And luckily, I've been had ample of those opportunities in life. Yeah, yeah. And that's human nature. I mean, obviously, we're going to throw the brakes on things where uh, it just doesn't feel right or we just don't want to do. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. 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 So as, as an engineer of architecture, you know, I'm going to say, you know, with all the organizations that you've probably worked with, you've probably seen, you know, as I ask this question, there's probably been a commonality of, you know, whether it's the different organizations that have had like similar challenges that you've seen, um, either, you know, working from them at their infancy or trying to take them to scale. So, you know, can you give some examples of like what some of those common challenges that you would have seen? And, you know, maybe just for our audience, listening audience of people that are maybe trying to scale their businesses right now and how you can maybe, you know, impart some wisdom to them or, you know, things that you've seen and how you guys worked around that stuff. Yeah. Um, well, there's one big one that that all every company I've been at that's grown, which is almost all of them, uh, has had. And it's, you know, when a company's really small, you rely on a small number of people that have a lot of skills. So they have a broad skill set. They're really good at everything they do. They're high output. They work relentlessly and you rely on them. And when you have just a few people starting a company, those are the kind of people you need. And, you know, because they just can do a lot. Yeah. And as the company grow now, now the, the good thing is they know everything. And then the bad thing becomes they know everything. <laughs> and you have to start kind of distributing that out. And so it's yeah. not a, a centralized thing. It's a little more decentralized. Right. And so as you start growing, you've got to spread that knowledge around so that everybody's got, well, maybe not everybody, but that more people have it. And right. It's not easy to do because the fastest path from A to B is the person that already knows how to get from A to B. Sharing it with other people and getting them to understand it and train them on it and all that, it, it, it takes a little longer, which is always a tough trade-off to make because by definition, you're not taking the fast path, you're taking a slower path, but in the long run, it'll pay off. Right. And as, as companies grow, they just got to get where they, they get comfortable doing that kind of thing. 
because it's a marathon, not a sprint. I, I yeah. guess that's that's the way I would say it. And planning for a marathon, once you get to the point where you you think you're going to actually get to run a marathon, and you're not gonna, the company's not going to go out of business in a sprint. Um, it pays off long term, and and it's literally worked a hundred percent of the time. You know, you could always you always wish you could do it do it faster and and more, um, but it, it ends up paying off in the long run. Right. And you can't be thinking about you're doing a marathon at mile 13. You've already made that commitment uh, right. before you can put your shoes on. Exactly. Uh, yeah. 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 So, you know, with those challenges and obviously, uh, you know, you know, I'll call that 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 whole, you know, bringing everybody on board and all of that, you know, that's obviously rallying the team. So, you know, what kind of relationships, what kind of things have you had to do with your teammates or, you know, uh, key players of, you know, passing that on so that knowledge kind of gets transitioned and these systems start to, you know, implement as you, just like you said, you go from a small team that's integral, everybody doing everything to now there's a lot of uh, delegation and there's a lot of that. So, you know, have you ever found where there's been a lot of resistance in, in meeting those challenges with 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 the delegation? Yeah, I, I think, you know, and I can mainly speak from an engineering and software perspective because that's where all my background is. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the big thing is um, when companies are really small, and I'm speaking mainly of software companies because that's that's my background. Yeah, yeah. Um, engineers like building things and they like writing software. And, and the thing that, so let's just say everybody knows how to do that. The thing that separates folks is the ones that can do that really well and they understand the market, the business really well, and they can think through business problems really well. And so getting that context of the market dynamics, the business impact of things, and making trade-offs and deciding what are the important things to do that are really going to make a difference to the company, mm -hmm. getting people to understand all that, that's that's the winning formula or the, the, the winning recipe. And most engineers aren't, well, not most, uh, a small percentage of them are good at it. Some are good at it and they just don't know it yet because they haven't had a chance to do it because in a larger company, you've got whole departments doing that stuff and you're just building software. So you're kind of isolated from it. So the trick is to hire people that you think are going to be good at that level of thinking, which is combining the business, the market, and the technology into a solution. Yeah. And I think Getting those people on board earlier is better than later, obviously. And the more of them you can get, the better. And they're hard to find. Uh, so hiring is a is a. I always say the most important thing any leader can do is hire good people. Um, yeah. And that's that's part of the reason why. Yeah, yeah. So are you guys doing anything like uh, you know within your organization like right now? Or I know that you know obviously you're in the still in the engineering side, but you know as you're internally you know either you know promoting you know different aspects to bring in ideal clients, you know, uh, and, and doing stuff, you know, as, you know, I think it's really become more of a popular thing, especially as people are, you know, are, are becoming more accustomed to working from home of having, you know, good life balance and, and all that kind of stuff. And that's really important, you know, health issues, wellness, you know, those kinds of things. Are you guys doing anything either at Affinapay? Have you done any of that at any of your previous organizations that you're aware of? Yeah. Yeah. I think the one thing that I'd say has been constant is that the really good people, they know they're good. They know they can get a job anywhere they want, whenever they want. And so you have to find a way to kind of separate yourself from the pack. Yeah. Part of it, I think, is getting to work with other people that are as good as they are or better so that they feel like they're learning something. I mean, most people don't want to be the smartest person in the room all the time. 
Right. They want to feel like they can learn from people. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think there's an element of that that goes on. I think another key key piece is um, try not to settle and lower your bar because it takes a long time to hire folks. You know, a lot of people want to go real quick because um, they think it's going to solve their immediate need. Um, but you got to think, go back to the marathon. You're trying to win a marathon, not the sprint. Um I think not lowering your bar or your standards is probably another kind of thing that's tough, tough for people that are in the hiring position. And I think another an, another aspect is um, having really thorough interview process for folks, um, because a lot of the things I was describing earlier around what separates kind of average from really good people, it's hard to figure that out in an interview. It's not it's not like you can ask them one question and get the answer. It, it, it's a lot of uh, a, a lot of questions and discussions that, that that and and even then it's an art not a science it's it's yeah. your it's some level you're guessing um, and then I think the last piece around people's you know one of the things I've really noticed in the last kind of ten years is people care more about their overall life and kind of health thing and they want to have a ba- a work life balance mm-hmm. um, and so they they want to take care of themselves a little more they want to have some time to do what they want to do. Um, and I think you have to uh, you have to uh, provide uh, an environment for that and, and make it so they don't feel, they don't feel guilty doing it. Because I've been in environments where people are allowed to do it. But like if you're the only one that does it, you're going to feel kind of guilty because no one else is doing it. Right. Um, so you, you kind of have to get everybody to play along with the game so that everyone feels comfortable doing those types of things. Yeah. No, no, that's great. So. Um, no, great, great stuff. Great stuff. So one of the things I always like to talk about is, you know, you always hear about, you know, super successful people. And I, you know, I, you've been really successful in everything, you know, as we look at in, in your career. And the misnomer I, I feel that is often made is, you know, people say that they're self-made. And I'm going to, you know, I challenge that statement all the time. You know, I don't feel that there are self-made people, you know, because I feel that People, especially successful people, are the products of both their mentors, their teachers, their coaches, people that have been in around, you know, that have kind of shaped that person that help, has helped make them where they are. You know, you know, and, and, and I feel that, you know, where we get that information uh, can definitely, you know, have and have the information that we do get can definitely lead to greater success. So, you know, do you have anything that you can share, like of, you know, either mentors that have been, informa- uh, you know, inspirational or influential for you, as well as maybe either like favorite books or topics or anything like that? You know, I call it, where do you go to the well for your information? Yeah, there's two, um, there's two people that come to mind, like instantly when you said that. Yeah. And they were both from pretty far back early in my career. Um, and they were back when I was at Tivoli. Um, and one was Martin Eath who was um, my boss. He was the one that hired me at, at Tivoli back when I was kind of out of, out of grad school. And the thing that I learned from him that has stuck with me all the, probably till the day I die is his work ethic was off the charts. There was no detail that he didn't care about. So no matter what his position, you could talk to him about any level of detail. You could go in the weeds as deep as you wanted to go. And he was interested in it and would add value to the conversation. And mm-hmm. he never made anybody feel like their stuff wasn't important. On the contrary, he made everybody feel like their stuff was the most important thing going on in the company. Oh, wow. Period. Even if it wasn't, he made them feel like it was. And the guy was just an incredible leader, um, cared about everybody, cared about all the details, um, 
was a really good lead, you know, lead by example kind of person, which is the way I'd like to think I, I live my life is leading by example. Um, and then the other person I'd say would be Frank Moss, who was the CEO at, at Tivoli um, er, er, early on. Um, and the thing that that he impressed upon me uh, early in my career was uh, kind of risk taking, I would say. And so he was always pushing for do more, take a risk, don't ask for permission, ask for forgiveness. Um, you know, it won't be as bad as you think it'll be. Um, and it was always about doing more and taking risks and always leaning forward. And he, even if it didn't work out, you know, and it doesn't always work out. Sometimes you lean forward and crash. <laughs> and, um, but, you know, he never, he never was critical of people that did that. He would be critical if you never leaned forward. He never leaned forward. Right. And, and I, and I think those two, those two folks come to mind, top of mind for sure. And I've tried to kind of fashion my career around living those, those, that, that lifestyle at, at work, at least. Um, and I hope I do that. I mean, I, I yeah, no, it sounds like you go. have, it sounds like you have Greg. Yeah. yeah. So is, is there anything uh, that you or your organization are promoting right now that you'd like to, that you'd like to plug Greg? Uh, well, I'm not a salesperson. I, don't, I know I, you're not, I, but I'll, I don't plug stuff, but Maybe there's some people that might want to work at Affinipay. So I'm always trying to hire good people. So if you kind of believe in some of the stuff I've talked about, uh, Affinipay is literally always hiring people like every week of the year. Um, no matter what the website says, I, I promise you we're hiring people. And um, I'd love to talk to you if you're interested and you think this might be a, 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 a game you'd like to play. Um, with our team. Um, we're growing really fast. Lots of cool stuff happening. A lot of technical challenges to, to solve. Um, yeah, I, I, that's what I'd say. That's my big plug. Well, awesome. Awesome. Well, I appreciate having you on here. I think uh, the Austin community is going to love it. I love uh, you know getting the opportunity to, to have this, this conversation, Greg, and you taking the time to be out here. And until next week, we'll see you. Have a great see week. You.